Welcome to the Iowa Agronomy Update, where we talk all things agronomics. I'm your host, Brent Schwinnaker, and this podcast is brought to you by Asgro DeKalb Brand Seeds. Hey everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the Iowa Agronomy Update. Uh, it's been a while since we've uh, had a new podcast, and really, to be honest with you, it's been kind of one of those summers where we've been chasing our tail here on different topics, and it seems like once we get ahead of something, uh, Mother Nature kind of throws us a curveball. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, earlier this month, uh, she threw us another one in the uh, derecho storm, and and. And really, again, to be honest, we, we've been struggling here to find, you know, what are the right words, uh, what are the right topics that that we should be talking about on on a setting like this on a podcast. And we certainly don't want to come out and act like that we have uh, all of the answers. There, there's just too many variables that are going into play here. Uh, it's still in awe of the destruction uh, that happened through this storm from, you know, west central Iowa all the way uh, to the Mississippi River. And and really, uh, our thoughts really, truly just go out to those that, you know, had damage, that lost not just their crop, but, you know, livestock buildings, structures, um, you know, houses you know you name it you know this is this goes deeper than just uh, agronomic issues and so we certainly feel for those that are out there dealing uh with bigger bigger things than just uh agronomy right now and so truly um our thoughts out to all all of those but once you get back to the agronomy side uh it's really really tough to sit here and see now, uh, you know, we're at least a, you know, a couple weeks post, uh, storm now and, and really starting to see how this crop is, is holding on. And there's certainly a number of topics that are, uh, really surfacing as some of the bigger, bigger issues here as we move into harvest, as we move into storage, as we move into 2021. And so, um, like I said, we, we don't have all the answers, uh, for some of this, but certainly we can go off of some past experiences, uh, that we've been through or seen or, uh, maybe been through in the past. And so I just want to touch on a couple of those variables, uh, as we, as we head into the, uh, some of these decisions. So first and foremost, you know, I think it probably depends on how quick your insurance agent, uh, has been out um, starting to see some of those decisions getting made on the farm now uh, as we've seen some disking uh, going on um, some rolling uh, taking some rollers out ahead of the disc now uh, starting to see late this week uh, so certainly some of those decisions uh, are being made and really again that that has to be it's gut-wrenching to see from the pickup let alone not having uh, to do to do that with my own crop or our own crop, uh, that certainly even hits us right in the gut with uh, just to see anybody do that. And so certainly it's it's got to be um, ten times as hard to do that when it's when it's your own crop. And and 
you know, there's just no words, but really just rest assured. We, we understand that you're probably doing, uh, the right decision, uh, to, to be having to zero out that crop, uh, right now. There's just, there's just no feasible way to, to try and harvest some of this stuff. And, and really that's probably the best thing. And, and then from there, we probably have to start talking residue management for those folks that are, are probably looking at, uh, zeroing out their crop. Um, you know, if tillage is, is in your, um, is in your practice, then you're probably thinking about some sort of vertical tillage, some sort of maybe disking, just getting that uh, soil, getting those microbes uh, and organisms just starting to break down that stocks is probably uh, the best thing you're looking for. Now, if if you're in a, a no-till environment, uh, maybe some minimum tillage environments, then then you're in a different capacity. You're trying to tr- chop up that stock, trying to crimp, trying to devitalize uh, that stock as, as much as you can, um, and then hope for some moisture and heat and, and really get that, that stock uh, breaking down uh, the best we can. Uh, the next thing that, that pops into my head is obviously volunteer corn management. Uh, I think the, you know, really you know, we could, we could start to battle this next season, or we can try and get as much of it, uh, destructed, maybe germinated as we can. Um, you know, corn, even though it's not black layered, corn will still germinate, uh, and develop even before black layer. So that's, um, heard a a couple folks say that, you know, it's not black layered yet, so it it won't germ, but that's, that's true. That's not the case. It, It will germinate and still act, like volunteer corn. So that's something that we want to be thinking about. If you're going to zero out that crop, be thinking about making sure that we're trying to get that corn germinated and uh, getting that growing uh, so we can start to get some of that uh, done before uh, next season. It's certainly going to be a tough, tough, tough environment. Not saying it can't happen, but certainly everything's going to have to go right to be thinking about corn on corn for uh, 2021. Next up, we have to think about those folks that, that maybe, um, don't, uh, aren't going to zero out their crop and they're going to go fight, fight this, uh, down corn, uh, in this, uh, scenario. Uh, there's a couple things there, right? There's harvestability, um, where there's going to be cannibalization of those stocks as we move into, uh, maturity. You've got, stocks that are snapped, you've got stocks that are pinched, and you've got stocks that are laying over. And that corn uh, is sitting in, in a number of different phases there because of those conditions. Even those pinched stocks, you know, we've been out in the last week and, and looking at a lot of uh, ears, pulling a lot of ears back to see, I think we've pulled, oh, I think we're up to, oh, we've done a couple hundred ears now here in the last few days. Uh, just evaluating corn ear set and consistency on some of these hybrids. And and really, um, you know, we're starting to see a a lot of that early uh, premature black layer in some cases where that stock uh, maybe wasn't as strong. Uh, But certainly some of these pinch stocks that I'm seeing uh, just in my vicinity are still holding on. Uh, Very surprising uh, how well some of these are holding on and still adding weight into that, uh, 
into those corn kernels here in the last uh, couple weeks. So certainly a good sign there, but certainly going to be making it very difficult to get into that corn head. And uh, certainly that's going to be a struggle on what direction uh, and and how we get as much as we can into that corn head uh, and into your grain cart and uh, into the bin. As we think about grain storage and bin, hopefully you're fortunate enough that you have grain storage still left or have an option to take it to. Uh, as we were out evaluating ears uh, this last couple of weeks, it is very, very evident that we've got uh, ear rots that will become an issue here uh, in the next few weeks. The, we There's a lot of really mushy um, cobs uh, at the tips. Uh, you know, these some of these uh, ears are sitting under a mat of, of green layer. They're not shedding the moisture out of the ear like, like they should be. And so certainly uh, going to be looking at a lot of ear rot. So certainly be thinking about your grain storage options for those that are going to be out uh, trying to harvest this. Be looking for that and certainly uh, be thinking about any of those aflatoxin uh, layers. You're going to have different stages of corn maturity, different test weights, uh, different, uh, just a lot of differences in, in this corn as you go across uh, this field. So certainly going to be a challenge uh, there. So those are, those are just some of the things. And like you said, if you're still waiting on your crop insurance agent, uh, just, you know, the word I'm getting from some of these agents is just be patient. Uh, they, they are trying their best to, to get to, everybody in in a timely manner so uh, like I said we don't we don't have all the answers here but certainly willing to to help uh, in any way we can uh, whether it's just listen to see if uh, we can lend uh, an ear to how that um, your decisions are playing out all the variables that may be coming into play on your farm uh, certainly be more than willing to lend an ear if you're if you're willing to uh, hit us up. So uh, like I said, our thoughts go out to everybody that's lost uh, a crop or buildings, damage, homes, uh, even deeper than that in some cases. So um, like I said, we're um, hopefully this, uh, this derecho will get past us. We'll, we'll get past this year. We always will. Uh, we, we fight through this just like we normally do, uh, just like uh, normal Iowans do. So Appreciate all the help uh, for everybody, just seeing how strong everybody's been on helping, lending a hand to neighbors and, and everything like that. And it's been a, a, a true a true blessing there to see uh, a number of these things. Uh, next up in our next segment, we are going to uh, transition into talk more, probably heat and drought stress. We're going to bring in uh, Jim McDermott uh, in from Northwest Iowa and start talking more about our, our drought and heat scenarios this last week and, and what that's done to our crop here this week and how fast that's brought maturity in and what does that mean for a fast maturing crop here heading into Labor Day week. So thanks a lot and look forward to joining us in the next section. Thank you. Hey everyone, welcome to the next segment here of the Iowa Agronomy Update. Uh, for this segment, uh, we're going uh, up to Northwest Iowa here. We brought Jim McDermott back into the podcast. Hey Jim, how are you today? Uh, doing well, Brent. Uh, thanks for having me on. 
Yeah, great. So, uh, Jim, you know, we just we just gave a quick update here on um, the derecho event and wanted to kind of segue into probably a topic and uh, that that's probably touched everybody now here in the state this well, basically this year, this month, really. And the drought monitor came out this morning and, you know, there's only a sliver of Iowa that hasn't, isn't classified as some sort of drought classification. Uh, you add some of this heat stress this week into this and, and, you know, we're, we're setting up uh, rather quickly here before we head into Labor Day weekend. What the, what's some quick observations you're seeing up your way? Well, you're right. Uh, I think every every area, even good heavy soil in northwest Iowa, is being affected by this drought and uh, drastically different from a year ago. Um, but you know, mentioning a year ago, I think some of the issues were set up then. Uh, we did have a, a a fairly wet fall, and of course that means usually compaction, and we we didn't get a lot of freeze and thaw to break up that compaction. So, kind of a tough scenario when we're dealing with. Uh, compaction from the previous year uh, plus a dry year now the dry spring did give us uh, ideal conditions for planting uh, for the most part it wasn't perfect it never is perfect but uh, we did have some some good conditions and we got our crop in timely and that has that has helped Uh, you know anytime you can you can get early planting generally they're going to be able to handle the drought stress a little bit better and the other thing brent too that uh, uh, has helped is our subsoil um, you know, with the rains last fall and a wet season, of course, in 2019, we did have a full soil profile of moisture heading in. And, and that did carry us a long ways through this year. Uh, without that, boy, you just you'd hate to think where we'd be at with the dry weather that we've had this summer. Yeah. And I, I think from my my observations here, I think that's probably one of the biggest differences that separates 2020 from 2012 in my eyes because we kind of ended 2011 with a dry spell and and our profile wasn't full and 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 then we go into 2012 and we and just kind of stay in that in that mode now you know with that full profile this year uh it it truly is amazing what what kind of corn is out there uh soybeans as well based on that moisture that's been in that profile because Let's be honest. I we haven't gotten much rain at all, right? I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I always kind of gauge it how many times you mow your yard. I've got my mower out once since the middle of June, so uh, <laughs> it can't be good for corn. Corn, can it? Well, you're exactly right, and uh, yeah, just a few statistics on that. Um, you know, West Central Iowa has been kind of the bullseye. I'm a little bit north of probably the worst area mm-hmm. for stress in the state. But uh, for example, in Sioux County, um, as of today, uh, you know, depending on where you're at, uh, we're sitting at uh, 7.6 inches of rainfall from planting, um, where typically we'd be at about uh, 14. So it's just uh, just a shade over half. Yeah. Um, you know, and along with that is the heat. You know, we've had a lot of uh, days above 86, obviously a lot this week in the mid 90s, and that adds the stress. Um, I did see some uh, figures yesterday too for the Northwest Iowa Crop Reporting District. Um, the July and August period is the seventh driest in the last uh, 128 years that they've been keeping records. So, 
you know, that does put it in perspective. Uh, there's, there's a reason you haven't been mowing your lawn, Brent. Uh, <laughs> the rain's not there to, to get that bluegrass growing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and speaking of that, that bullseye, right. That, uh, Oh, probably just South of Carroll over to, uh, the Guthrie County, Dallas County line there. Um, you know, only a future, a fortunate few of us, Jim, can farm in that bullseye this year. So um, we're we're the very fortunate. The lucky ones, you yeah. And, and I think I I think the last that I saw, we were uh, under still under six inches from planting uh, until until today. So um, pretty pretty, and, and a lot of that two of that two of that six or five and a half came early May. So we, it's been, it's been pretty sporadic, I know. So, um, but you, the, you know, we think about that this time frame now, uh, and you mentioned the heat, the growing degree days and stress days. How far along, Jim, are we on these growing degree units uh, compared to last year, or just in general or over time? Yeah, looking at the long-term average, and uh, depending on your planting dates, but uh, I was looking at uh, the, the week of uh, April 20th when a lot of corn got planted. Um, we're running about uh, between 150 and uh, 200 GDUs ahead of the long-term average. And this time of the year, our average is about 19 per day. And so, you know, you put it in perspective, that's about uh, a week to 10 days ahead of the long-term average just on where we're normally at with our growth stage. And you couple that, Brent, with the fact that we did have a lot of acres planted early. Uh, you know, yeah. we were able to get started and, and, you know, not only were we able to start early, but uh, there wasn't much that slowed us down through that first week to 10 days of uh, corn planting. <laughs> so it just added up to a lot of acres planted in a, in a short amount of time, which was great. You know, that's what we needed to do uh, for our planting season. Um, but it, it has really put this crop ahead between the planting dates and the GDUs that we've gotten. And of course you throw into that, the, the heat, anytime we get this type of heat uh, close to black layer or when that starch line is starting to move down, uh, it can move it along um, rather rapidly. And uh, that's what we're seeing this week. You know, some of these fields that, uh, oh, it really would be projected the black layer, say the, the 5th through the 15th of September. Um, you know, some of them now, um, I've seen some fields that are that are black layer now on some of the real light ground. Mm. Uh, I'm seeing some fields that will black layer here by the end of the month, right at the 31st of, of August. Uh, so we really are seeing in some cases in the severe stressed areas, a premature black layer. Um, so something that you know, I think we all know when the heat hits at this stage, but we've got to be prepared with the combine with uh, some of these fields that are going to be maturing well ahead of normal. And with that, usually you also have cannibalization of the stalks. So those stalks are doing what they can to fill the ear. And with not enough moisture, and usually with not enough moisture becomes lack of nitrogen. You know, those two factors are um, really showing the cannibalization now uh, as we head towards the finish line. Yeah, and so rushing, rushing through that, bringing that milk line down so, so quick, Jim, what, you know, that, what does that mean for our kernel weight, kernel depth, you know, all that stuff? Yeah, obviously not what we want. Uh, and then we, we certainly see it right now that the kernel depth isn't there. 
Um, you know, as we do yield estimates, we probably want to make adjustments to the factor and, you know, dividing by a factor of maybe 100 or even more if we have very small, shallow kernels. Um, you know, test weight is also cut into, uh, you know, especially if we are black layering prematurely or if that plant is shutting down. One thing with that, though, it, it, as we have smaller kernels, um, that can help our test weight a little bit. Um, and, and a, the other factor is usually in a year like this, we do tend to get dry, dry grain. Um, we should be able to come out of the field with uh, relatively low moisture levels, and, and that can help our test weight versus, say, harvesting at 23, 25% and having to, to artificially dry it. Sure. So, you know, test weight, I, I don't think will be a, a huge factor other than those obvious areas that just shut down early or Mm -hmm. the areas that had the storm damage that uh, just uh, didn't allow to fill like it normally would. Yeah. And you, you're probably going to have a number of those different types of zones in the same field, right? Probably some premature maturity, probably some that made it there a little bit later, you know, is that going to mess with, uh, you know, grain later on or, or not? Yeah, that's a good point uh, because you can sure draw the lines by soil type right now, and, yeah. and uh, it's the difference between you know some really good yields. I think we'll see some good, good, uh, decent uh, two hundred plus bushel yields on the on the heavy soils that had moisture within that same field in the stress spots. Uh, you're going to see some some very, uh, very tough areas yield monitor will drop drastically, and and also that variance in moisture. So it's it good point as far as uh, being aware of that at harvest time and, and storage you know looks like again with earlier black layer we probably should be bringing things out of the field uh relatively dry so that should help our, our storability sure yeah and and really this kind of the heat stress you know that we're talking about this week but this this isn't the first stretch of of, of heat uh, that we've had this year right so if we go back into early in the season we've kind of been battling some of these rapid gdus all, all season what are you seeing maybe on some ear set that um, can as far as ear set consistency um, what are we seeing there and maybe how that heat early on or early in the season during pollination you know how did that affect some of some of that thing is that timing now Sure. And I'll even go back a little farther, Brent. And, uh, you know, we're talking about heat, but uh, it, it seems like a long time ago, but actually Mother's Day weekend was very cool. Mm -hmm. And that that did contribute to some of the unevenness. You know, we saw soybeans sit there and not do much, not emerge for several weeks. And the corn was a little farther along, but uh, there there was some variable growth or some variable emergence on corn just because of that long stretch. Um, I, I looked at uh, from May 5th through May 14th, so 10 days, we had a total of 31 growing degree units mm. in northwest Iowa. So we essentially got nothing. Um, it's about what we're getting in a day now. But uh, we had a very cool stretch, and that contributed to some of the unevenness. And then, of course, fast forward to pollination, like you mentioned, uh, if we have uneven ears and we have heat stress, you know, that, that causes that much more for a potential problem on you know, some, some uh, unevenness with pollination and then just plain heat at pollination is, is going to cause some problems. You know, for the most part, it, it hasn't been too bad. Um, some of the cases where there's been some insects clipping silks, you know, that's contributed to problems. But uh, overall, the pollination 
I would say has been decent, mm -hmm. uh, but the heat shortly after, you know, that corn mm -hmm. needs about 35 hundredths uh, inch of moisture per day once we're into blister stage right after pollination. And that's when some of the heat started kicking in and, and started to uh, really uh, cut back on some of the, the yield potential that was there. Yeah. Yeah, Jim, you, you kind of mentioned some of the, you know, some of the compaction from last year. What are the other sins that we've made this year that are kind of starting to uh, shine across some of these uh, fields? Uh, I'm starting to see a lot of corners that have been cut in some of these fields as I drive, drive the countryside. Yeah, you know, anytime we have the dry weather stress, it, it brings out a lot of other things. Um, you know, insects with rootworms, like I mentioned before, if there was, you know, any sort of feeding, uh, those roots didn't regenerate, um, you know, fertility, uh, if it's the field that just lacks fertility, uh, that adds to another stress level, um, you know, all those little things, uh, weed control, uh, obviously took away moisture from the, the crop itself and added to the competition, mm. um, you know, see, see that, especially in the soybeans. Uh, so a lot of little things that uh, you know, sometimes the crop can overcome. Yeah. Uh, this year it was not able to overcome it very well. Yeah. Additional stress layer. Cer certainly starting to see some of those, <clears throat> you know, clay side hills, some fertility, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those things really starting to sh show up. Uh, well, they've been showing up for about a week and a half now uh, in this, this part of the world. And, and really it's hard to imagine. And first let's, let's switch to soybeans there because those are, those are really, you know, they look like they struggle, you know, by mid morning, late morning, uh, you know, you've got, you know, a lot of these fields are just turned over and they just look, they just look white, you know, they just kind of look like they're kind of protecting themselves a little bit. What, what's going on there, Jim? Are they, um, you know, the old saying is, you know, beans are made or broke in, in August with, with rain. Uh, that, that can't be good for that, that old wives' tale. Yeah, unfortunately, you're correct there. Um, you know, we, and we had a lot of potential, a lot of, a lot of flowers up on the, the top. Uh, the clusters looked very good. And, um, you know, the, the seed size is one thing that gets drastically cut back when we have this stretch. Uh, when we get to R6, which is full seed, um, in other words, when we have the, that seed filling the whole pod at one of the top four nodes, um, the soybean is about 17 to 27 days from maturity uh, with dry weather stress. It tends to be closer to that 17 days. It cuts short, short the period, so it doesn't allow that full pod fill. And then just two by comparison, um, the, the soybeans need about four inches of rain or moisture, I should say. Yeah, you'd like to get it as rain, but you need four inches from that R6 to maturity. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we haven't been getting that, you know, and, and whatever it's it's using for moisture, it's got to take from the uh, ground. Um, but the question comes up is, you know, how much yield is affected, uh, how much yield loss, and uh, obviously so many variables, but uh, the, the data will show that uh, at R6, we've got 70 to 80% of the yield attained. Um, so if we're really stressed, uh, say if we're in good shape up to R6 and we're stressed after that, you know, we can, we can see potentially 30% of that yield loss. And, and a lot of it is from seed size and just not finishing that top cluster. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
anybody that can that can yield estimate their beans at this this time of year is is full of it i've been <laughs> i would agree yes uh i i know there's pod counts on on the uh pro farmer tour but uh that doesn't necessarily tell the whole story i know i've been i you and i both jim have been looking at plots for the better part of half a century to combined and and i i don't have it down yet so uh, yep, I, I don't either, and uh, especially because so much is determined. You know, the pod count is one thing, especially when the pod count is done in uh, mid-August. Uh, there's so much yet to be determined. Yeah, it, Jim, what does does this play into some early maturity soybeans? Are they further along in this drought? Maybe that they could they had a little bit more weight already in the seed, or or before this week, or uh, any thoughts there? Yeah, it, you know, common sense would tell you that uh, if you can kind of beat the heat or have more of your yield gain uh, by the time we get into the real stress or the real dry period, um, it, it should bode well. Um, and I think also earlier planting, you know, there were a lot of soybeans that got planted in April, and I think that is going to help uh, just, again, uh, being able to utilize some of the earlier flowering, earlier moisture that was available for that crop. Yeah. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, it, there's some areas, and, and actually the, the beans, I'm surprised, on, on good heavy ground, uh, some look still very green and have held in better, even than the corn. Uh, so there's some fields uh, you know, that, that are full season that can benefit from a rain if we'd happen to get it yet. Yeah. So that's yet to be determined. If we don't get rain, it, it sure does look like the earlier beans would have a, a slight advantage, but uh, I've been wrong before too. So yeah. it's well, a little, little tough to estimate. You know, and maybe the later season beans will will maybe benefit from this cool front that's coming through this weekend and get a little moisture and cooler temperatures next week. And we might be talking a whole different story next week. So, oh, exactly. But, uh, yeah, we can we can only hope because there's there's still potential yet to be attained yeah. out there. We can get a rain. Well, and, and let, you know, I think that's a, a good point to, to end on there, Jim, is really just it, it is truly amazing everything we've been through, we got off to that great start and then we've just been throwing curveball after curveball, but there is still some good crops out there. And so, uh, you know, there are some good things to, to keep your head up about, even though you, even if you're in the, you know, the path of the storm, you know, let's, let's keep our heads up and, and be thinking about some of those, those topics that we're keeping an eye on. And, and, uh, but let's, um, you know, let's not think about some of the things that we did, to get there so we, we can uh, maybe make some decisions or be thinking about 2021 as well. So Jim, any, oh, you, any last comments here well, before we go? Yeah. I was, I was just going to mention, uh, you know, trying to learn from a tough year is sometimes you, you wonder if it's worthwhile, but uh, yeah, there's certainly things we can pick up, but uh, you're right. I, I think uh, keeping your head up and, and, uh, and, and of course that means, being safe during harvest uh, some of these years when we, we have tough harvests, uh, that's when we can get fatigued and accidents can happen. So I wish everybody a, a safe harvest out there. Yeah. It's, uh, it's coming quick. Uh, so don't, you know, the crop, the crop may be rushing through it, uh, but be safe and, and uh, we'll, we'll get, we'll get through it. So I, like I said, uh, too bad, you know, all you Hawkeye fans, you've got all Saturday to harvest all day long. So that should be good. So <laughs> could be the same for the cyclone fans depending on uh, yeah how many people can go to the game that's, yeah that is right that is right 
Well, Jim, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, we'll be back in touch here as we uh, start to get in the field and see how this variability looks as we go through some of these fields. So, All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Brent. You bet. Thanks, Jim. And thanks again for joining us on the uh, Iowa Agronomy Update. Uh, we'll be back in touch here again uh, as we uh, head into harvest, and we'll, we'll uh, talk to you then. So thanks for joining